For those of you who didn't know, sports betting has just become legal in mass, and we'd like to hook you guys up with an amazing opportunity with BetStamp to get started if you haven't already. When you visit our page in the description, you'll be connected with the top sports books in your area, no matter your region or state. For example, here in Massachusetts, DraftKings is the number one sports book. So when you click on that link, you'll be connected with DraftKings' top offer that they currently have available. When you use multiple sports books, you ensure that you can always access the best available odds, which is a key to successful sports betting. If you want to take advantage of this great offer and many others, visit our link in the description. It would help us and the show out tremendously and get you the best available odds, which is always great. Now on to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this very cold, very, very dark time during finals week as we record the last episode of this, of, of the podcast for 2023. Yeah, a little bit of an impromptu recording. It is uh, almost the ripe hour of 9 p.m., but Anthony and I decided <laughs> we just needed one more podcast episode to kind of, you know, go through a lot of stuff and the holistic understanding of what the semester has been and what we're looking forward to next semester. Yeah, I apologize. We couldn't get another guest on, on today, but uh, maybe we'll come in uh, during the break with some special special something, but you never know. Uh, we're going to get right into, like Brendan said, a, um, a little recap of of the fall fall um, happenings here. Starting off with the women. Brendan, who's, who's, who's impressed you so far? I know they haven't played since the last time we recorded, but... Yeah, they haven't played since the last time we recorded. Uh, we'll see them again play St. Anselm on December 30th. But I will say I think that this um, this women's team has shown quite a bit of fortitude, you know, starting the season with some rough losses to Clarkson and then Wisco. But they've really seemed to bounce back and find their mojo, ending up at like 13th now um, in USCHO rankings, which I think like is really They're impressive. They're leading the Hockey East too. Yeah, they're they're lead, yeah. So I think obviously Tabor and Pellerin have really impressed me. Um Newhook's had a pretty solid season. Um but yeah, I think that there's been plenty of players who have impressed and shown that they are like legit. And I think that this team um overall has shown how legit they are. So yeah, that's my thoughts. Yeah, I mean while while someone like Pellerin's had a good start, I really think there's even more that can come from her. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the the point, the point totals are, she's averaging like maybe three quarter points a game, which is still really amazing. But yeah. I still think that she can climb up there to the, to the one plus. I think point. experience is also just a big part of that. Like she gains more experience just by playing more, and I think that that's like a huge portion of that. Yeah, I also I also like to see Newhook climb up to the, to the plus one point a game range too. She's she's sitting at like sixteen right now. Mm. She should, she could get up a little bit higher. I think there's more out of there. But Grace Campbell though, she's rocking with a 9.15 right now, save percentage. Yeah, she's that's she's just solid. In Abby Levy really well, you know, an incredible goalie. Yeah, I know we've mentioned her like multiple times, but gotta give credit where credit is due. I mean, she had a great start to the season, and she's only gonna get better. Yeah. She's only a sophomore, I think. So. Yeah, I'm I'm thoroughly impressed with this team, and I think that they've really rose to the occasion after a lot of doubt came after that Wisconsin series. 
Um, so, yeah, props to this team. I think that they've had a really phenomenal start to the year. And also, um, Katie Crowley officially has been inducted into the United States Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, she had a nice little ceremony there at the start of the men's game, which we'll get into. But it was it was great to see the she gets the credit she deserves right there. Speaking of the men's game, um, BC had a game against Providence this weekend, five to four win. Brendan, give us a little game note synopsis. Uh, phenomenal game. I I was up in the press box covering it for ZBC, um, and you were watching it as a fan. So we have two different perspectives in the game. Really, really great game 5-4 win uh smith bro cutter each get one yelvik gets two in the third frame uh really good game bc goes up 2-0 then providence ties it 2-2 providence makes it 3-2 and then yelvik becomes yelvik yelvik becomes yelvik i will well don't forget that crazy cutter goal as soon as providence took the lead less than a minute later cutter just snipes one to even out the score, Yelva gets two, and Providence kind of gets a throwaway goal in that last, you know, 40 seconds to make it 5-4. But really, really phenomenal game. But I think that the 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 biggest takeaway, or not the biggest takeaway, but the biggest, one of the most important things to note after the dust settled is the Manettian suspension. And I think that that is mm-hmm. something that, you know, basically for those who don't know or those who missed it, um, the game was really chippy overall. Four minutes into the game, um, Shemlar, the uh, Providence leading scorer, um, was ejected. Oh, yeah, uh, I forgot about that. For game misconduct. And in the second period, um, Aaron Manedian was ejected um, for a you know, pretty egregious um, slash, slash yeah. uh, across the neck of a Providence player, rightfully ejected. Um, there's no room for that in hockey, no matter what team it is. Um, it's just when you kind of get, as you said, Anthony, when you get into that next zone, that's that's really the danger zone, and officials are always going to call that because it's it's dangerous for for players. But you know he is going to get one game suspension, which should he make the World Juniors team, which is uncertain and I would argue unlikely, he will have to sit one game there. Which, I mean, if he makes it, he'll likely be a scratch anyway, so that probably won't be a big deal. Um, And he can't serve the suspension for the Simon Fraser game because it's an exhibition on January 6th. So he'll serve the suspension on January 12th for his Providence. Which, you know, is a bit of a hit to the BC defensive core. Uh, Sorry, I've talked a lot about this, Anthony. What are your thoughts on this? Oh, it's just one of those things where, like, right off the bat, like, it doesn't maybe seem that serious. Like when you when you saw the play, like obviously like it was once you saw the little replay of it. But it was one of those ones where only like half of the fans actually saw it because yeah. it was kind of like away from the rest of the play. But yeah, like you said, it was it was one of those just kind of mental mistakes that are natural at this point. I mean, it's only a freshman. Um, we're gonna get into some player breakdowns eventually, but yeah, it's just it's just a little mistake right there. That's um, Will's will come as a suspension, but that's neither here nor there. On a more positive note, like you just mentioned, World Junior Camp. Give us a little preview right now. Camp just started today, in fact. Um, I don't I don't remember how many Eagles are <laughs> away in Plymouth right now, Plymouth, Michigan. So seven. Oh, seven. Seven on the seven. team, eight, including Hagen's. Um, but the boys are buzzing. The vibes are immaculate. I've seen a lot of pictures and videos coming out of the camp today. Um, 
you know, having a lot of the guys back together, especially guys even that play on like rival teams, you know, Lane Hudson and like Cutter Gote or any Eagles for that matter, it's um, the camaraderie that exists between those these guys who, you know, lest we forget, have played together in previous on previous teams like the NTDP or whatever. So I think that it's like seeing this group of guys get together with, you know, gold medal dreams, I think is, is a special thing. And I think it's going to be a phenomenal tournament. Um, Anthony, what do you think? Yeah. I also saw uh, Rucker McGordy in practice today, oh, yeah. or I read an article about that suffered an injury in like a Penn state game, maybe a few weeks ago, mm. but he was, he was out there in a non-contact sweater. So that's always good to see. He's, he's going to make the team if he, continues to McGordy's a great player to come well off of injury yeah he's he's excellent but yeah it was interesting seeing guys in the in the visors there yeah it's a little bit of a change um you can see their whole face like more of like an NHL look it's kind of it's kind of interesting yeah except our boy Hagen Hagen's with the full cage he's yeah. rocking with the with the full cage him and um Macklin Celebrini for those a, videos are funny for BU he's Macklin I just saw something online he's Someone commented on Twitter. They're like, "How much hang does Celebrini have on his on his a ton on his face?" He's mask. got a ton of hang on that thing. I don't know. Uh, for the listeners at home, look that up and check it out. It'll give you a good laugh to see. Uh, you yeah, know, it's like it's attached, but like not really. It's, it's falling off. It yeah, looks it's, like it's yeah. floppy. Is, is but um, it is great to see though. Like you know, no matter how silly or stupid his cage looks, Macklin is is such a positive um, influence for NCAA hockey as a whole. Not only the hockey is not only BU, but I would argue college hockey as a whole. So, um, you know, seeing all these players lace up on the big stage is 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 exciting. Yeah, once again, someone like Celebrini, twenty years ago, who would never have played in in college, yeah. someone to always play in the CHL. So, he's a unanimous first overall pick right now. It's going to be great to see him suit up, no matter uh, for no matter what country he is. Anyways. We're gonna get into some uh, player performance recaps here from the from the fall semester here. Um, right off the bat, the USA line was the most hyped up trio that there ever has been in recent memory I can think of coming to one university. Um, BC was lucky to get Smith Pro and Leonard. We're all familiar with their games at this point, but it's easy to say that they're all playing as advertised, if not better. I mean, there's really not much else to be said i don't know what you think Brendan, yeah but. i i think that it's like you know you can watch a game two games three games and you'll see the same thing you'll see consistency and just you know speed and and strength and all those attributes that you want from your star players beyond the talent alone i think that obviously the physicality comes through much more on someone like ryan leonard but you're starting to see the physicality more on smith and perot and, you know, if that means them taking penalties every so often, I'm okay with that. Like, if, if they're yeah. getting a penalty here and there because they're playing more aggressive, like, I think that, that all that does is develop them further. And while we talk about development, Cutter Gauthier, as a defensive player, is, is, has changed drastically. Yep. Cutter's defense is... That's something that I wasn't really familiar with or anticipating at the, at the start of this, this podcast that we started here, but... Yeah, Cutter, Cutter, you know, Eamon talked about how Cutter's being trusted on the penalty kill now, and it's like yeah. Cutter in defensive situations is solid, and I think that that's huge, huge props to Cutter um, and all of the guys, I'm assuming coaches who have helped Cutter work on his defensive game, because obviously he's pretty complete when it comes to offense, so I think that 
the defensive game is something he's probably worked on with staff and coaches. So, yeah, props to all of those people involved in that development because Cutter, you know, looks great. Yeah, I mean, when he was asked prior to coming back to BC for a second year, he was asked why he came back. He said, obviously, to win a national championship. But it was like what you said. It's, that's another reason kind of why he came back. Maybe he thought that his defensive game wasn't that complete yet, but he's moving in the right direction. I mean, he's playing like a men against boys out there, and that was he proved just to that when he um, – in that hit against Providence. This oh weekend. yeah, that was that was great. But I mean, what was were we gonna say, Brendan? Oh, I was just gonna say I think that like if I'm the Flyers, I feel pretty good about Cutter. I oh feel, yeah, hundred percent. I feel excited for Cutter Gauthier to join my team yeah. ASAP. So yeah, come, come springtime most likely. But anyways, Manidian and Fortescue, they've been excellent skaters. Um, two way two way game right there. But as evident, we, we spoke about Manidian before. I mean, they've kind of struggled to get used to the to the hockey East kind of system here. I mean, it's by that do you mean the bad refereeing? Eh, here and there, but yeah. like even I can even tell the difference between that and the USHL. Yeah, yeah. It's almost more of a NCAA thing where they monitor the games a little just more strictly. Mm. So plays that they could have gotten away with last year at the program probably couldn't get away with them this time. Yeah. Um, uh, and beyond that, something I want to add is like, <clears throat> although both it's just these, different. I mean, it's a yeah. learning process. Yeah. Although both of these guys have really, but by the way, they provided excellent, excellent coverage on yes. both sides. Yes. I yeah. was going to, I was going to say that. And I also think that something that you and I have talked about and me and my broadcast partner, um, Jacob have talked about is the staying home mentality still has to sink in a little bit because, a lot of times you see these their D partners, yeah, Eamon and Aiden Hershek kind of just get stranded in the defensive zone because Fortescue and Manettian are kind of halfway up the ice ready to receive the puck. And I understand that. I understand the anticipation. And, like, you know, as young guys, you just want to get as many shots up as you possibly can. But leaving those older guys like Hershek and Powell just, like, literally stranded. It happened a few times in the Providence game. And it's like, yeah, you know. From a fan's perspective, it's like, you know, we know how talented Eamon and Hershek are, but it's like they can't single-handedly get past three defenders in the defensive zone. In the Yes, sorry. And it's, and it's also interesting because last year for about half the games for the NTDP, I followed it quite a bit last year, um, Fortescue and Manedian played on the same line quite mm-hmm. a bit of the time. So it's kind of when you begin to change that role from a stay-at-home to, to more of an uh, OD situation mm-hmm. where it's like you start to run into some trouble, but yeah. I mean it's only gonna get easier from here. I mean they both know their roles, they both know they both play to their strengths. They're both excellent skaters, so it's all about reading and reacting at this point. Yep. But other than that, I mean, on to some juniors and sophomores here. Yelvik, Gasso, and and um, Hershuk are all playing the best hockey that they've ever played in their lives right now. It's obvious, especially Yelvik. Brendan, what do you think about that? Yeah, Yelvik is, is, you know, he had a really hot start to the season and died down a little bit, but that Providence game, he was completely He's right back, back to form, form though, now. Yep. With those two goals in the third period, Yelvik looks absolutely phenomenal. Um, he beat last year's goal output already. He's um, doubled it. Doubled it, yeah. yeah. He, I mean, Yelvik looks phenomenal. Uh, Gasser is your fave, so I'll let you talk about him. I mean, Gasser just, I just see him as someone who wants to win every puck battle. Yeah which is something that allows the offensive game to get going. 
kind of when you're in a kind of a cold streak. And he proved just that when he when he assisted to uh, Yelvik that last game. So, yeah. and also someone like Hershuk. I mean, um, last year and the year before, like we said before, he's he didn't really know what his role was. Maybe he kind of jumped into the play too much, left whoever he was playing without stranded. But now he's really accepted his role as a um, as a shutdown guy at this point. I think it's safe to say so. Yeah. I mean, he's staying back. He's he's cutting people's hands off. He's he's putting bodies on people. It's it's really obvious he knows what his role is and he's playing it fantastic. But I'm um, grad students, awesome all around. I mean, Colby and Eamon couldn't have enough good things to say about them. Yeah, Langston Malone. We'll speak more about Malone later, but what do you think yeah. about that? And Armstrong too. Now that he's oh, back, yeah. Armstrong. Um, Armstrong, you know, after that injury that he suffered in the first game of the season, he's been back for what four or five games now. He looks great, and it's like I think Armstrong's overall tenacity and just like ability to just throw everything at every puck that he sees, I think is just you know exactly what you want from a grad student, someone who shows that effort, has that experience. You know, someone who played college hockey four years prior to this. Um, and you know, Anthony and I have talked about that. It's gonna be rough for him to go back to Aganis. I think that's gonna I know. Be, yeah. I think that's gonna be a little bit of a wild scene. Four years of BU transfer to BC. I don't I'm sure that's that, something like that must have happened in the past, I'm sure. But Yeah, we'll ask him eventually. But another thing about Armstrong is with the amount of aggressive hockey he's playing, it's also impressive to see that he has no penalty minutes currently. That's wild. I didn't even know that. I mean, obviously that's gonna happen. Like it just it just will, but like with the way he plays, the amount of physicality if you can do that with no pims, that's yeah. that's an incredible, incredible thing to see. But no, um, Letty also. I mean, he's really accepted his role as kind of the seventh option uh, as the extra D partner there. His shot blocking has exceeded expectations. Yeah, and he's I, always eating pucks, and always. I, and I anticipated him to block all kinds of shots in the first episode of this, so that's just great. It was also good to see him doing some uh, some good community service there with <laughs> Jacob uh, Bankston and Will Traeger today. Yeah, delivering presents, pr- presents, presents uh, to kids. I think it was yesterday. Um, love to see it, and it's like this is this is what I love. Not only you know, I I for those of you who don't know, I grew up a Patriots fan, and I love the team, but I also love like the Patriot yeah. way of like doing for others. And I think that these guys, in so many ways, have exemplified men and women for others, and in like. Their activities outside of hockey. Uh, so props to all the guys for that. Um, but another thing is the leadership of this team is stepped incredible. It up, stepped up since the past couple of years, in my opinion. Yeah, it's incredible. Eamon yeah. is a phenomenal captain. Um, but, you know, we were lucky enough to have Eamon on the podcast. And just, like, hearing the way that he talks about all of these guys just shows that it's like, you know, he cares so much and cares all about their development and he really is selfless in the leadership capacity because Eamon, you know, fourth year, he wants to go back. He wants to be better. He wants to, he has NHL dreams too, but he cares and talks so much about helping other guys improve with his skill set. Right. Yeah. And I think that that is just phenomenal. So props to Eamon. And he even goes above and beyond doing special shout outs to fans with in Conti advertisements, et cetera, to get everyone to buy into the special process that they got going. Yeah. It's really, yeah. It's really something to see. But last but not least, Jacob Fowler. Wow. Like <laughs> I know I know it's nothing special, but like he's just performed. Nothing special. Well no no, like <laughs> nothing special is what we're mean. anticipating. But yeah, like, he 
We knew that he was going to be great, and he's shown it. Like he, Fowler is one of the best goalies in all of college hockey, yeah. and and will you know the Habs are lucky lucky to have him, you know, soon enough because uh, they could use a guy like him. Pretty much any NHL team, with the exception of a couple, could use a guy like Jacob Fowler. He, he is phenomenal, and you know, I I don't even know how to express my gratitude. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Jacob Fowler. In another interview I saw prior to the season, I saw that no one really knew how to like really describe his game. It's kind of hard to differentiate between goalies, but someone said, "I don't know, he just stops the puck." Yeah, and that's just that's just the way it is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's just a brick wall. But um, Simon Fraser exhibition, that's on January sixth, right? Oh yeah, I'm so excited. I, I'm excited just because we're gonna get to see players that we don't normally see. Obviously, Davey will play, Nolan Joyce will play, Traeger will play, Timmy DeLay. Is he still injured? That's my question. I don't think so, but I'm not sure. Um, And then Korak and Musilic will probably split time, right? In all likelihood, yeah. I think it's only fair. I won't be shocked if Korak plays two periods and Musilic plays one. I think as long as both goalies get some minutes, I think that's... Uh, Yeah, I do too. Um, yeah, but yeah, so for those of you that don't know the world juniors at the very latest will end on January 5th. This game is January 6th and you know, those guys most likely wouldn't play in a game like this anyway, but especially they won't be playing in this game. <laughs> when they're coming, when they're coming back from Sweden, they're, they're not going to be playing in this game. So we're going to see a lot of, uh, different guys on the ice, which, you know, is, is refreshing and I'm super excited for that game. It'll be a fun one. It'll be a fun one to cover too. I'll be commentating. Um, so yeah, it'll be different. Uh, a lot of different names not used to saying. And I'm excited to see Simon Fraser um, because they're a pretty solid team in their own right. Probably the best or at least one of the best Canadian college teams. So it Do you know where they're see. based out of? I, f- I forgot. No idea. <laughs> Probably the Ontario area somewhere. Yeah. But anyways, for a winter preview here, I mean, we got we got a little schedule here. Uh, any any games you're looking excited for, Brendan? I mean, obviously the bean pot. Like, oh yeah, F- forgot to mention the bean pot. The uh, the ticket craziness. Oh yeah, we got to talk about this. We once didn't again. even mention it. Yeah. So the bean pot tickets came out on must have been Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. Yeah. And we, it was a mess. We, it was impossible. The, the emails came out late. They were supposed to arrive at 11 a.m. Yeah, it was a mess. Uh, Anthony, tell us your experience. I mean, I have. We both have the fortune of probably going. No matter what, because we're covering. Effort press, yeah. But yeah, I mean, for those for those students who really care about it, I mean, like you, like Brendan said, like the tickets released all at different times for different class years, as far as we could tell. Yes. And it was next to impossible to get one for the semis. So if you were able to get one, congratulations. But I mean, that's crazy the amount of demand that was for that game. I mean, yeah, I honestly yeah. cared more about snagging a championship ticket because I'll be covering the first one and i'm assuming you most likely will be too so yeah so we're lucky for that um but besides the bean pot um i think there's a few a few games that i'm really looking forward to i think that the providence set right off the bat is going to be a big game um especially the one in providence yeah because that student's actually will be rocking coming off the break yeah so i i see us dropping that one if anything i, I see us dropping one of the unh games too Mm. either here or in Durham. Um, I think Merrimack, I think we got those guys. I don't yeah. know about you. We have something to prove against Merrimack. Knock us out last year, but I don't know. It's going to be good. 
plenty of uh, day games actually, which I kind of saw a lot on yeah, Sundays. Yeah, a lot of day games. A lot on Sundays, right? Yeah, a few yeah. Sunday games. We got UMass February 18th at 1 p.m. That's strange. Um, we have two home games against Vermont, which I'm excited for. Because um, Vermont got us twice last year at home, and I like to say we wouldn't let that happen again. Oh no, absolutely yeah. not. Um, so definitely excited for those games, UNH, and then also we have a random away Lowell game. I saw that too. That yeah. song is center, which that'll like, be tough. That'll be really tough. I think it will, just because I don't know something. You about, can't beat a team three times in a row, especially a team like Lowell. Lowell's just so yeah. sound defensively that it's like it's hard um, to kind of maintain that. So yeah, exactly. But as far as some player previews go, Armstrong once again, he's he's been a machine lately. And I think he's only going to get better. Um, but also, Connor Joyce. I mean, someone that he, we haven't talked about that much so far. He's going to look to rebound off his injury. He should be back sometime after Christmas. I mean, I think it was an ankle injury. He's going to he's gonna come back. He's going to get something to prove. He's going to get a lot of minutes in that um, Shaman Frazier game, actually. But besides that, I mean, someone like Jack Malone. Special announcement, by the way. He's yeah. coming on the podcast. Yes, Jack Malone will be our first guest back from break. Uh, I talked to Jack uh, a couple days ago. Uh, we were going to try to get him this week, but he's already gone home. Um, but we're going to have Jack Malone, our first grad student on the podcast, uh, after break. So stay tuned for that. It should be a really good one um, for everyone to listen to. Um, but before we end, I want to talk about this. Um, something that's been going around Twitter uh, is on this fan account. I don't know if you've seen it. Future Gophers. It's a Minnesota fan, fan account. Um, and they released a bracketology. Oh, I saw that. So yeah. I'm going to read this for the, for the listeners. So in the first, um, I don't even know like what that was based off of. Like it's just based the pairwise? Off of, no. So it's based off of conference winners and pairwise. All right. Um, so in the Maryland Heights, uh, Missouri region, we have BC, St. Cloud state, Denver, and Michigan, which, Holy cow, I hope that doesn't happen because that's an insane, insane That's just like region. a stacked region, exactly. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of um, 2021 when uh, when BC played. Uh, we dropped the regional semis against St. Cloud State. Yeah. Yep. So hopefully get them back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that comes true. Um, the next region is in Springfield, MA, which I actually think is incorrect. I believe it's going to be in Amherst, not Springfield. Because uh, there was a, a thing between it was either going to be at AIC or at UMass, but I think it's going to be at UMass. Where do you think BC will be playing right off the jump? I don't think Amherst for some reason. I think that there are so many teams regionally that are going to make it. Oh yeah, that there are not. They're not going to have enough spots to send us all to Amherst, and I think that they're likely to send the better team somewhere else. Like I think we will not like. No, I yeah, that makes sense. But yeah. in that region, RIT. Um, because of winning their division, uh, BU, um, Wisconsin, and UMass. Uh, there's also a regional in Providence, which if we could be going to that, I would go to either of those regionals, Providence or Amherst. I would go to those games. Yeah, 100%. Um, but in the Providence regional, we have Quinnipiac, Western Michigan, Michigan State, and Providence. Again, that seems like a really stacked region um, until you get to the South Dakota uh, Sioux Falls region, which is which is Nodak, Michigan Tech, Minnesota, and Maine. Wow. Yeah. So 
you know, so obviously just an excellent year for college hockey. It is. It is. Around. It is. We're really entering the golden age of college hockey and it's exciting to see. And uh, just for those wondering. And UNC is even wants some of the pie too. Yeah. <laughs> another, in other news, I know we don't usually talk about club hockey, but the university of North Carolina has just granted something like three or $4 million in funds to build a brand new, like it's like what Penn state did with theirs. Yeah. yeah. 3000 seat arena uh, solely for hockey. So that's incredible. Awesome. Awesome for the sport. Uh, but I was also going to add the teams that they have in the hunt here that are not in the tournament, but are like right on the bubble. Uh, UNH, Arizona State, Penn State, um, Notre Dame, Colorado College, Fairbanks, Cornell, Minnetonka, AIC, and Omaha. But I think the only one that I out of these that I actually see making it, probably Arizona State. I think that Arizona State should make it over maybe one of these teams um, when it comes down to it because Arizona State's a phenomenal team. I'd love to see them in the tournament. Or maybe even Penn State, but I know Penn State had a rough go at it against Wisconsin this past weekend, so who knows. Yeah, I mean, like all that sounds great. I mean, tournament's coming up right around the corner. I mean, not really around the corner. Well, it's way quicker. Like, don't forget, the tournament starts the first – the or like the third week of March. Yeah, wow. So that's like really soon. But yeah, I mean, like you said, I don't know what fan account that was, the Gophers? Yeah, the future Gophers fan account. The future Gophers. Everything Minnesota is is a great. They have a great um, media scene up there. Shout out to those guys. They they produce some great content. But anyways, the assistant captain, like we said before, Jack Malone, will be joining us right off the jump next time. But besides that, a remote episode might be in the works. So look out for that. The holidays might come early to you guys, all those listeners out there. Um, but besides that, Brendan, what do you have to say? I just I just want to say thank you to everyone who's listened to the podcast this semester because oh yeah you know it really went from like 100%. A, a dream of Anthony and I's like oh we should start a podcast we should do it was something. just an idea yeah. it was just an idea and now you know to have the platform and the ability to talk about what we love and you know in a lot of ways like this podcast helped us with our own opportunities either broadcasting or writing for Eagles Daily so mm. I think that. You know, obviously, I want to thank every single one of you guys listening, um, because obviously this wouldn't this wouldn't be possible without you guys. So, thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you after break. Yeah. Also, if there's anything, as always, that you guys would want to listen from us or hear from us, put, put that down in the Q and A section down below. But anyways, we hope everybody has a happy holiday, and until then, take care, everybody. <laughs>